The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. But as you can tell on social media, if you follow any of the XFL accounts, Aaron is, of course, in training camp with the Tampa Bay Vipers. So I am going to roll solo on this episode of the Punt and Pass podcast, which, of course, will be previewing the national championship game, which takes place tonight. We will talk all about it. I'll give you my prediction. I'll give you my pick, and I'll tell you what to expect in the biggest game of the year, maybe one of the best games of all time. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler 13 and Aaron is at... Aaron Murray, 11. It's coming down to this. Tonight is the national championship game. If you've been following us on social media and if you signed up for the Punt and Pass Bowl Pick'em League, it all comes down to tonight. Yes, we will be giving away prizes to the top three finishers. So if you finish in the top three, I will obviously double check the leaderboard, but just send me a direct message on Twitter or on Instagram at DrewButler13 and we will get that all sorted out. We have some really cool prizes for you. This is going to be a great episode. Yes, we're going to recap or preview, excuse me, the national championship game. We're going to talk about the big news last week in college football, which of course was Jake Fromm leaving, but more importantly now, Jamie Newman being a grad transfer quarterback from Wake Forest, enrolling at Georgia officially. And then at the end, we will touch on the NFL playoffs championship weekend is coming up and we have some great football on deck for everybody who is interested but let's get to the most important thing that of course is the national championship game it's tonight number one lsu taking on number three clemson it's at 8 p.m on espn in new orleans louisiana right in lsu's backyard inside mercedes-benz superdome wow everybody is saying that this might be the most heavily bet game of all time as far as college football goes it could even compared to some Super Bowls. That's what people are saying. Not me. That is what people are saying. Book and odds makers are saying it could be the most heavily bet college football game of all time. Tons of interest, tons of storylines. And here is where I think the game will be decided. Obviously, you got to look right at the quarterbacks. Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow taking on Trevor Lawrence. I think the coaching matchup, not between the head coaches, but between passing game coordinator Joe Brady and defensive coordinator for Clemson, Brett Venables. 
I've been saying the characteristics of these two teams, especially after the semifinal games, was that LSU seemed unstoppable, but Clemson seemed unshakable. And I saw a graphic on ESPN this morning. It called LSU unstoppable, but Clemson immovable. And listen to these statistics. If you don't think this game's going to be close, I'm sorry, but you got to expect something different. Yes, there could be some recency bias. Everybody is infatuated with what LSU was able to do against Oklahoma, but do not get it twisted. Oklahoma was a flawed football team. There is no doubt about it. That defense was horrific. The offense got exposed early. Again, we talked about it on the podcast. Do not know what Lincoln Riley was trying to do, throwing the ball right out of the gates, but they were exposed, and I think... Most of the public is just living and dying on what LSU did to Oklahoma in that semifinal game. Yes, it was extremely impressive, but you got to remember Clemson will come to play. Listen to these statistics, both for the LSU offense and comparably the Clemson defense. Points per game. This is rankings in the nation. LSU offense ranked number one in points per game scored. Clemson defense ranked number one in points per game allowed. Hello. Yards per game, LSU offense ranked number one in yards per game gained. Clemson defense ranked number two in yards per game allowed. And then one that I think will probably be the deciding factor for tonight's national championship game, the total QBR, the quarterback rating, Joe Burrow ranked number one in that LSU offense, and Clemson's defense is ranked number one in the lowest allowed total quarterback rating in every game played. What is going to happen? The line right now, I just checked Bavada. It's 9.30 on Monday morning. Clemson is a six-and-a-half point dog. If you can get six-and-a-half, jump on it right now. That's the most you're going to get. This will not go to seven. I don't see there's any way possible that this gets to Clemson being a touchdown underdog. And the total has dropped to 67-and-a-half points. Earlier, you've seen it at 70 and a half, 71 points. It's all the way down to 67 and a half, which would show you that smart bettors, sharp bettors with a lot of money to move the line, think that this could get off to a slow start. Remember, it's been two weeks since these two teams have played. They've only played one football game really in the past month since the end of the conference championship game. So something to think about. The total has been steamed down to 67 and a half. Clemson, though, getting six and a half points with those defense rankings it is going to be an absolute battle let's talk about these matchups though that I brought up Burrow versus Lawrence listen it's pretty obvious these guys are the two best quarterbacks in college football and it's amazing to me and I talked about it with Aaron on our weekly show called Campus Lore Live what will 2019 be remembered for he said what Joe Burrow was able to do but I went more on grand scheme And I said, really, how quarterback play has distanced itself for the best teams in the nation. Think about the best teams in the nation this year. Really, if you want to talk top four, top five, top six, every single team had an outstanding quarterback. We'll just talk about the top four. Number one, Joe Burrow and LSU. Number two, Justin Fields, 50 total touchdowns, one interception for Ohio State. Number three, Trevor Lawrence, the guy's undefeated defending national champion, stud regardless of the competition he plays. And number four, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma, finished number two in the Heisman Trophy ranking. If you're talking about what separates a great college football team, an unstoppable college football team, a college football team that will compete 
for the college football playoff national championship. It takes elite quarterback play. These are probably your two best, regardless, even if Jalen Hurts finished number two in the Heisman final. So what happens here? Do you lean towards Trevor Lawrence or do you lean towards Joe Burrow? Recency bias would say you got to go with Joe Burrow. There's no doubt about it, right? The weapons that he has on the outside as far as his wide receivers, the game plans that Joe Brady and Steve Ensminger are able to draw up and allow Burrow to get the ball out quick, get the ball out to his playmakers in space has seemed to be unstoppable. But one thing that I think is most notable for Joe Burrow, and I continue to say this, is his deceptive elusiveness, right? He's in the pocket. If you were at the SEC championship game or just watching when he played Georgia, Georgia's defensive front four was able to get to Burrow, flush him out of the pocket early, make it seem like he was going to panic, but the guy just scrambles out, and he is able to throw the ball so accurately on the move, which is extremely dangerous. You have to imagine that LSU is going to try to single out one of Clemson's safeties. I think you could guess which one I'm talking about. No bias here. And try to make him make plays against Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in the open space. It's as simple as that. I think Clemson will try to pressure Joe Burrow as much as possible, but have a plan to attack him when he gets outside the pocket. If you watch the NFL playoffs, right, what did the Tennessee Titans do to Lamar Jackson? They flushed him out, and then they would have a safety or a linebacker blitz outside the box and get to Lamar Jackson, so he did not have the opportunity to settle his feet and deliver the ball downfield and it worked tremendously the Ravens got off their game plan they tried to throw the ball a lot more than usual and the Titans routed them behind a stout running game do I think one team is going to route another tonight no I do not but Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence will be an amazing matchup and I think what Trevor Lawrence has over Joe Burrow and yes I know Burrow has done everything possible this season he's had an unbelievable year Heisman Trophy winner won every trophy that he possibly could and good for him but Lawrence has the experience and this team the Clemson team has the experience of playing in these types of games and they know that they have what it takes regardless of the competition. What were we saying last year before Clemson took on Alabama? Alabama's offense, this. Alabama's offense, that. Tua Tunga Bailoa, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, XYZ, and Clemson shut them down. If I had to pick a quarterback tonight, even though everything I just told you, I'm going to give a check mark to Joe Burrow over Trevor Lawrence because I just think LSU's offense is playing at such a high level. And if I had to pick a quarterback, I'm picking Burrow. Let's go to the next matchup. Joe Brady, LSU's passing game coordinator against Brent Venables, Clemson's defensive coordinator. The biggest X factor here is two weeks of preparation. Two weeks of preparation. You see what Brent Venables is able to do against elite offenses with one week of preparation. You see how Brent Venables coached defenses play in the biggest games of the year over the past couple of years in semifinal games, in national championship games, in ACC championship games. They come to play. He develops a game plan that his players can respond to. He develops a game plan that can take away what the opposing offense does best. 
I have to lean towards Venables here. I really do. Again, yes, I know LSU's offense is ranked number one in points per game, as I told you just a few minutes ago. But Clemson's defense is ranked number one in points per game allowed. I'm going to go with history here, with experience here. I'm going to look back to last year's national championship game and say I think Brent Venables and this Clemson defense has what it takes to slow LSU down. And what do I mean slow them down? Maybe keep them under 40 points. Just maybe keep them under 40 points. So I gave you Joe Burrow as my quarterback in the quarterback matchup, but I am taking Brent Venables in my coaching matchup over Joe Brady. I think that will happen tonight, and I think it will most likely decide the outcome of the game. Yes, LSU's been unstoppable, but Clemson has been unshakable. There's no doubt about that. Let's just think about LSU's schedule. They've got all the makings for one of the greatest teams of all time. Early in the season, they went down to Austin, Texas and took down Texas. They beat Auburn in Jordan-Hare. They beat Florida at home in primetime. They went to Alabama and hung a 50-burger or almost on the Crimson Tide. They played Georgia in the SEC championship game and dismantled them. And then what did they do in their semifinal game? I mean, they absolutely blew out Oklahoma. An unbelievable display of football, which is why I think a little bit of recency bias is playing in here. And, And for comparison, what has Clemson done? Well, not much because they haven't played much. And again, yes, I know they play in the ACC, but they can't control how good or bad the ACC has been all season long. They just took care of business, and they took care of business in a big way. Yes, they had to stop a two-point conversion against USC early in the season, but after their bye week, Trevor Lawrence settled down, the defense settled in, and they crushed every team they played. What they did most importantly, though, is they battled back from a 16 to nothing deficit against Ohio State. And I think a lot of people are forgetting just how good of a team Ohio State is. Right, Clemson's red zone defense stood up and allowed them to only be down 16 to nothing. Could they do that again tonight against LSU? If LSU drives down quick and gets in the red zone, they score touchdowns. They don't kick field goals. Could Clemson make sure that they kick field goals to keep them in the game? That will be extremely important. But Clemson spotting Ohio State 16 points and then coming back to win the Fiesta Bowl and make it to the national championship game is nothing to scoff at. This team is for real. There is no doubt about it. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Clemson is for real. Can they win? Can they win the football game? Well, I think what's most important is that Clemson has to get off to a faster start than they did against Ohio State. And yes, that may seem kind of stupid to say. That seems pretty obvious. But what I mean about fast start is that they just have to sustain a drive. Right, Put three points on the board. Sure, touchdown would be great, but put three points on the board. Nothing crazy. Just find some consistency. What did Lincoln Riley think when he got Jalen Hurts in the shotgun and tried to sling the ball all over the field against LSU after LSU took the ball and drove down and scored in no time? You have to sustain a drive. Can you get Travis Etienne going? Can you find a little bit of run game against this LSU defense? Yes, LSU's defense did play well late in the season, but it's not like they were playing the most prolific offenses. 
Okay. Yes, I know Oklahoma's offense is pretty good, but I think their game plan was horrendous for what they should have been trying to do against LSU. Georgia's offense, we all can talk about that as much as we want. Not exactly the most potent offense to have to defend against. LSU's defense did improve, but I think this Clemson offense has enough weapons to sustain drives, find some run game. Let Trevor Lawrence get the ball to his tight end. Let Trevor Lawrence push the field with Justin Ross and T. Higgins. I think Clemson can do that. Can they slow the game down? You better believe that's what their game plan is going to be. And I think that's going to play into a big factor when it comes to who win the game. And I think Clemson has exactly what it takes to win this game. I, I really do. Call me crazy, but I have to roll with Clemson. They're the defending national champions. They've won 25 straight games in a row. Trevor Lawrence does not know what it's like to lose. LSU seems like a team of destiny. I get that. I really do. But I have to go with defense. We've been saying it on this podcast all season long. Aaron's been talking about it as well. This is the 150th anniversary of college football. For 150 years, we've said defense wins championships. If you look at the NFL playoffs, sure, it's fun to have those exotic offenses. Sure, it's fun to spread it out, run with Lamar Jackson, get wild with your play calls. But when the rubber meets the road, you look at a team like Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry running for 180-plus yards, three straight games, defense bringing it with a nasty physical style of play, and you often find yourself on the right side of the outcome. I'm rolling with the defense tonight. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Clemson gets one stop that LSU can't get. I think Clemson wins this game 38-35. to 35. Clemson wins this football game 38-35. to 35. It goes over 67.5. Take the 6.5 points if you can get it. I think Clemson repeats as national champions. LSU falls just short inside Mercedes-Benz Superdome. They have lost a national championship there. It is not a foregone conclusion that they are going to win because the game is in New Orleans. Will there be a bit of home field advantage because the game is in New Orleans? Sure. I mean, look back at a couple years ago. Georgia played inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. About 65-35 Georgia fans, but in the end, it didn't matter. Could this game go to overtime? I don't know. I'd probably stay away from that prop, but there is my pick. Clemson 38, LSU 35. I think this game is a lot closer than people are expecting it to be. Do not let the recency bias get to you. This is going to be a dandy of a football game. I cannot wait to watch it. Drew's official pick. That's right. I'm going third person. Is Clemson 38, LSU 35. Cannot wait to recap it with all of y'all later on this week. Let's talk about some other news. Jamie Newman, grad transfers to Georgia. Yes, we broke down the Jake Fromm decision last week on the pod. I was not too surprised that he left. Most, a lot of people were. Seems like he's going to have a really good opportunity to go in the second round, maybe even sneak up late first. Seriously, Jake Fromm could sneak into the late first round. Just look at the teams, like I told you last week, who will be picking in later picks of the first round. It just takes one, people. It just takes one, and as soon as Jake announced his plans to forego his senior season and enter the NFL draft, everybody's focus immediately shifted to who Georgia could get as a graduate transfer quarterback because this. Georgia will have an elite defense next year. They're obviously going to have to break in a lot of new pieces on the offensive side of the ball, so why try to break in a quarterback as well when you have the pieces 
as a total team to compete for another SEC East championship, play in the SEC championship game, and try to find yourselves back in the college football playoff. Jamie Newman from Wake Forest was the hot name out there, along with De'Eric King, I think. Another name that was being floated around was Chase Bryce, the backup at Clemson, a former four-star from Grayson, Georgia, Loganville to be exact, who obviously would have had a lot of hometown love if he did decide to come back to Georgia. But it seemed like if you were reading the tea leaves, Georgia had zeroed in on Jamie Newman, who was a graduate transfer, so he would have immediate eligibility to play. And it was announced official on Saturday, I believe, that Newman had enrolled at Georgia, and he will, in fact, be playing for the Bulldogs next year. Reading the articles, people from Wake Forest, pro scouts, whoever has watched and analyzed Newman's play says he's big, physical, intelligent, and decisive. I think the most interesting thing for Georgia fans is that he does legitimately bring a running threat to the quarterback position, and with that, the option to run a true RPO, run-pass option, offense. A lot of people want to do that because you see the success with the top teams in the nation who have found explosive offensive identities behind a true RPO approach. Newman threw for 2,868 yards last season, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, but probably most importantly, 180 rush attempts for 574 yards, and six touchdowns. Pro Football Focus, the analytical database that ranks college prospects and NFL players based on their play week in and week out, ranked Jamie Newman as the third best quarterback returning in 2020 behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Not a bad get. Not a bad get at all for George. It's pretty obvious he will most likely be the starter. Yes, Carson Beck is coming in as a four-star signee. Yes, Stetson Bennett's there. Dewan Mathis, not sure about his health picture, but Jamie Newman is going to have the opportunity to step in and immediately provide a lot of opportunity for this Georgia offense to open up. Will it open up? That's the biggest question. I tell you time and time again, the best coaches alter their coaching styles around the players that they have available to them. They do not try to alter their players around their coaching style. How much of an impact will Matt Luke have on the development of the offensive scheme in 2020, that's probably remaining to be seen. But it seems like Coach James Coley, Coach Kirby Smart, and Coach Matt Luke were telling Jamie Newman everything he wanted to hear as far as, hey, come to Georgia. We're going to put you in the best situation possible to prove that you can be a top NFL draft pick and lead us to the offensive production that we are looking for. Now you can read all of the reaction possible. Some people are even saying it might be crazy to say this, but this could be an upgrade from Jake Fromm. I don't know if you can go that far yet. I really don't know. But if you look at the possibilities, possibility being the key word, there could be a lot more options as far as play calling goes than what you had with Jake Fromm a year ago. And if you look at historically what has happened the past couple of years with the success of graduate transfer quarterbacks, yes, the writing is on the wall for a special season for Jamie Newman at Georgia. I tweeted out also a lot of Hello Newman jokes from Seinfeld were appearing on social media. Wayne Knight, who was Newman in Seinfeld, did in fact graduate from the University of Georgia. So maybe he'll make an appearance at one of the games in 2020 to officially welcome Jamie Newman 
to the University of Georgia. But let's hold our horses a little bit. Let's see what kind of storylines come out of spring practice. But I think Georgia's in a good position after getting Jamie Newman. And you just got to trust Kirby Smart. You have to trust Kirby Smart to know that when things seem to be going haywire, like a lot of your offense declaring for the NFL draft and you not having a lot of returning starters for 2020, he can make it happen. It also seems like they're going to get a grad transfer from Florida State, the tight end. His name is not on my show sheet right here. But Georgia's going to be just fine. I really do think that it's all going to come down to the approach and the stylistic approach from James Coley and Matt Luke when calling plays with Jamie Newman at the helm. Exciting times, though. It could be a very exciting time for Georgia. Again, all dependent on how this is approached with the type of players that they have in the fold. Rounding out this episode, NFL playoffs divisional weekend was Saturday and Sunday. Great games, I thought. Niners whipped up on the Vikings. Again, going back to recency bias, I talked about that with the LSU whooping of Oklahoma and how everybody thinks LSU is completely unstoppable. A lot of people thought the Vikings were really, really good. The Vikings were going to go into San Francisco. Kirk Cousins finally got the monkey off his back because he beat New Orleans in Mercedes-Benz Superdome, took down the Saints, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, but they played their best game possible and got away with a victory in New Orleans, and then look what happened. The same old team showed up, and the Niners whooped them. 27-10, to not really competitive whatsoever, number one ranked. San Francisco 49ers in the NFC will be hosting the Green Bay Packers next Sunday in the NFC Championship game. The Packers and the Seahawks had an awesome game Sunday evening. Seahawks storm back in the second half, make it competitive. Don't really understand why they went for a two-point conversion with 10 minutes left in the game. I thought you kicked the field goal there, stayed down four, and then just trust your defense. The defense had to be playing great. I just think those failed two-point conversions serve as a momentum shift to the other team, and Green Bay just continued to get first downs when they needed to, setting up a fantastic NFC Championship game next week in Santa Clara. Again, you saw this matchup earlier this season on Sunday Night Football when the 49ers just smoked the Packers 37-6. I'm sure it will not be that big of a blowout next Sunday, but one versus two in the NFC. Niners hosting the Packers, and then in the upset of all upsets on the other conference, the AFC, the Tennessee Titans went into Baltimore and just beat the shit out of the Ravens. I mean, you're talking about an old-school ass-whooping. Derrick Henry looks unstoppable. This brand of football that Tennessee is playing, again, it makes me think to tonight's national championship game. What are you going to do when somebody lines up and runs the ball down your throat again and again and again? And the defense comes to play with an attacking, vicious style and gets after your quarterback and forces turnovers and gets you into third and long and then makes you keep punting. I mean, it is really that dichotomy of tough, physical, nasty football against the new age, spread them out, run around, get exotic style of football. Well, in the NFL, it seems to be that if you have a 240-pound running back that can run a 4-5 and just run through arm tackles, they're going to be pretty tough to beat. The Titans win, and as the sixth seed, make it to the AFC championship game. They might have been the fifth seed. I think they're the sixth seed, though. Weren't the Bills the fifth seed? I don't know. Regardless, they beat the Baltimore Ravens 28-12. to 
in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson played terrible. Yes, he will be the MVP, and deservedly so, of the regular season, but not in the postseason. 0-2 now in his first two playoff starts, the number one seed Ravens, early exit. And then in the first game yesterday on Sunday, the Houston Texans against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Texans get out to a 24-0 lead. 24-0 in the AFC Divisional Round. The Chiefs looked like shit. They couldn't catch a ball. Patrick Mahomes was all over the place. Travis Kelsey was letting the ball go through his hands. Sammy Watkins, the defense was playing awful. Blocked punt return for a touchdown. It was the worst possible start in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. The fans were booing as loud as you could possibly imagine. You could hear it right through your TV. But somehow they kept their cool. And when the Houston Texans attempted a fake punt, really when they kicked a field goal to go up 24-0, instead of going for it, I believe, on 4th and 1 or 4th and 2, when the Chiefs couldn't stop a nosebleed, Bill O'Brien and the Texans flinched in that moment. It's hard to say you flinch when you go up 24-0, but 28-0 would have been an absolute dagger. And I follow a couple of bookmakers in Las Vegas, and they said that if the Texans had gone up to 28 to nothing, they were already going to put up future spreads for the Texans versus the Titans in the AFC Championship game. But they went up 24 nothing. Everybody kind of said, hold on a second. There's a little bit of life. And then they went for a fake punt. And it took a long time for this fake punt to develop. Usually when you get onto the field with a fake punt called, you have to scan to see if you get the look that you like, and the personal protector, the PP, either keeps it on or calls it off. Usually you have an Omaha play call, Omaha off. Yes, I know Peyton Manning made it famous, but Omaha means off, and you just snap the ball to the punter. He kicks it away, and you go live to play another drive. He took a long time. The personal protector did scanning, scanning, and Sorensen, the safety, was playing up on the line. Somehow made a miraculous open field tackle. The ball was snapped directly to the personal protector, the punt protector, the PP. He scrambles out to the right side of the field, the short side of the field, had a wide open lane to the first down marker, which probably, again, would have been a huge play in the game, but Sorensen makes an amazing roll tackle, stops him short, the Chiefs turn around, score, and then it was 28-24 to at halftime. Chiefs relieving. Can you believe that? It was 51-7 to run. A 51-7 to run that the Kansas City Chiefs went on to beat the Houston Texans 51-31. to Really just an absolutely amazing football game. Swings were up and down, 24 to nothing, and then the Chiefs were up 20-something points. Just crazy. So the AFC Championship game next Sunday afternoon, Titans at Chiefs, those two styles of football, they're going to clash. There's no doubt about it. I wonder if Chris Jones, the defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, will be healthy enough to play. If he is, I think that could bode well for the Chiefs trying to stop Derrick Henry, but you know exactly what the Titans are going to try to do. It's going to be an awesome championship weekend. you got the AFC Championship Titans at Chiefs and the NFC Championship Packers at 49ers, which will set up a great Super Bowl. I think the best Super Bowl possible would be the Niners versus the Chiefs. That's my pick, Niners-Chiefs. And then we will, of course, be watching with close eyes the national championship game tonight where Clemson will beat LSU 38-35. to Thanks for tuning in. This has been a fun episode. 
It's been an amazing season of college football. Appreciate you guys trusting Punt and Pass to bring you everything that you need to know. Be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler 13. Aaron is at Aaron Marie 11. Again, watch out for the bull pick. And if you finish in the top three, send me a DM and we will get your prizes all sorted out. Enjoy the national championship tonight. It's sad college football is over. But we will talk to you later on this week. See you.